Hello and welcome to Two Weird Didn't Watch, the show where we make fun of movies that we have not seen based on nothing but their very weird descriptions. I am Albert, and I am alone for this intro because this is part two of our deep dive into the Mimiverse, the many films of Christopher Mim. In the time that we've had in between recording this episode and the time that I am working on this to release it, I've had a little bit of time to watch these movies. And I watched the first one, Monster of Phantom Lake, from Phantom Lake, whatever it's called. That one was okay, but had way too much padding for my taste. As you might expect from a movie with no budget, it's basically three locations, and they are all the woods. I moved on forward to the Cave Women on Mars, which I found essentially insufferable, and have not tried to go back to it to see if it was worthwhile. However... It did reconnect me to a piece of music that I have been looking for since my childhood, Franz Liszt's Liszt Preludes, uh, which pops up a lot in the old Flash Gordon series, and he's obviously emulating that. I have had that piece of music in my head for my entire adult life and did not know what it was called or where to find it, and I'm so glad that I was finally able to hunt it down thanks to this relatively terrible movie. Thank you, Christopher Mim. Anyway, with that out of the way, I hope you guys enjoy the episode, and let's just dive right into it. Part 2 of the Mimiverse. Next, we have House of Ghosts from 2012. Which is the first kind of supernatural title. Yeah, I like the uh, sort of progression through different genres. Mm -hmm. If he's gonna do this pastiche thing, which I've already sort of made myself uh, my position clear on. At least he's working his way through different stuff. And I, I also like the time constraint thing. Where he's, uh, you know, it's like, well, gotta make a new one this year. And just sort of churning it out. Mm -hmm. or something. I, I have a lot of respect for that. That's how real artists work. You don't get to, like, oh, don't feel it this year. <laughs> I don't really feel like making another B-movie pastiche. You're Christopher Mim, you gotta crank it out! Make one! Created specifically as an homage to the films of William Castle, Castle, sorry, particularly House of Haunted Hill from 1959, the film centers upon a rich, a uh, group of rich weirdos in Phantom Lake, Wisconsin, who are attending a dinner party on the night of a severe snowstorm. Okay. Okay, so there's... I like people locked in during a storm type stories mm -hmm. i don't know why it, it it's kind of a neat you can obviously make your movie on the cheap somewhat with it but if you can get some good shots of whatever the encroaching natural disaster is and in this case i assume mr christopher mim does in fact have some shots of snow that he has access to in wisconsin um you can really you get that sort of nature is you know, threatening, but it's sort sort of the held at bay. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a great dynamic. The host and hostess hire a medium to act as the evening's entertainment, promising to open a portal to the great beyond. I don't know if I would hire that medium. I I just I, you know, if you have the medium that says they're going to open a portal to the great beyond, and the media that medium that just says I'll read your palm and tell you your future, I don't. I wouldn't even know what to expect from the portal from the great beyond. But Al, you're not a rich weirdo from Wisconsin. I guess. I, I'm not. That's true. 
particularly around Phantom Lake where just weird stuff happens. So your expectation's a little high on the weird level. Yeah, maybe, that, that's right. Maybe they're, uh, like, did you hear last year about that guy that got infested by a, a space king? Well, I wish that had happened to me. I just had to deal with a bad creature and got paralyzed. Boo. But what had seemed an interesting diversion becomes all too real. Soon the ghosts of the past are haunting the guests as dark secrets are revealed and it seems uncertain who may survive the night without dying of fright. This reminds me of that anthology movie we talked about. I forget who presented it. But where there was a bunch of different uh, stories that everybody told about. They're like, I had a dream of this happening. Does this ring a bell for you at all? Uh, Yes. I don't know why this... Maybe that's what he's actually paying homage to or something like that. I really enjoy the idea of everybody's past being slowly revealed and everybody's got some kind of, like, gross thing in their past. Similar to the first Saw movie, where the, you know, you have your initial setup and then as you go forward, you find out more and more about the people who are in the situation and they're sort of the skeletons in their closet. Are you familiar with uh, Castle, by the way? William Castle? William Castle. I am not. I've actually uh, pulled up some IMDb stuff here to follow along. I don't know if that's a good idea, actually. I wanted to... Initially, I just wanted to see the pictures from the plant zombies. Um, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to hold off a little bit on looking at the description with you. So William Castle's whole deal was he would do gimmicks for his movies in theaters? He was the oh, was like, he the like guy that had the skeleton? That, yeah. yeah. So like many of Castle's movies, this movie is based around a fourth wall breaking gimmick. Those who attend a live screening were presented with a fear shield they can hold before their face to prevent them from having the soul sucked out of their bodies by the vengeful spirits awoken by the scariest parts of the movie. Those who don't have a fear shield can use a box of candy or popcorn incubator instead. <laughs> That's actually a description. I love that. I think that is really great. I wish that there was more stuff like that. You definitely get it when you have a local presence mm-hmm. of some kind. Um, I don't know of anybody, you know, in like Milton, Florida, who's making films where I can go and watch what they're, they're doing, but that's a, um, a neat type of an audience participation thing that you don't get from like Avengers Endgame so much. You, know, you do get them at Disney world with their like 40 movies where you'll get like sprayed with in the face with like water or, um, in particular, they had a uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids one. Yeah. And he, like, multiplies a bunch of rats, and, like, the little bumps will come out of the seat to make you feel like rats are running up behind you. Oh, neat. Yeah, it was cool. What do we got next? Next, we have the giant spider from 2013. All right. Oh, man, he's getting more ambitious. What's <laughs> the... Uh, there is another... Wait, he's with, he's Wisconsin, right? Mm-hmm. Is this based on Giant Spider Invasion, which is also filmed in Wisconsin? I think this is based on the fact that there were a bunch of giant bug movies from the 50s. Uh, no, okay, okay, but there's like... Including a Giant Spider one. Okay, but Giant Spider Invasion is specifically famous for being from Wisconsin. It's actually filmed in 1975. I went to see the Rift Tracks live of Giant Spider Invasion. Uh, they... they 
got together the you know because Rift Tracks are the guys from MST3K. So there's an MST3K movie of Giant Spider Invasion, and they got the Rift Tracks people to do it. I'm betting that this is him uh, saying, "Well, I could do a terrible Giant Spider movie. Also, I'm from Wisconsin. Maybe he has. I wonder if he has some of the same props." Just bought them out of a garage sale. Yeah, I I can stick some legs on a Volkswagen Beetle. In line with each other, that he pops into every couple of movies, and then he just does his own thing in between. Okay. Just sit in the town. That's what it feels like. Anyways. The movie opens with Danny Johnson, who was the little boy from that movie, playing in the woods where he spots the giant spider. How giant is the spider? Like, dog-sized? It does not say. <laughs> he reports this to his stepmother, Rosemary, who contacts the authorities. This brings in Dr. Edwards and Dr. Gabriel from Attack of the Moon Zombies, along with the, uh, their associate, Dr. Hackett, who act as scientific advisors to General Castle from House of the Ghosts. So now things are starting to cross together. Was Attack of the Moon Zombies a 1950s joint? Uh, yeah, that was uh, Dr. Edwards, who's... So the they 50s. just, they were just on the moon in the 1950s. And uh, then... it said 20 years after that, so I think this is like the 70s. So this is the little boy from the cave all grown up now. Yeah. Or okay. a little bit older, not fully all grown up, because, you know, tell him a stepmom. It's not like a 20 year old would be like, hey, stepmom, saw a weird spider. Well, to be fair, if it was a little kid, the, the stepmom would be like, shut up about yeah. your big spider. So, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I was actually going to comment that when you first said it, it's like, uh, usually in these stories, when the kid tells the grown up about the giant thing that they saw, the grown up's like, shut up and eat your macaroni for dinner so you can go to bed. Um, yeah, but Rosemary was the niece of one of the scientists who already dealt with the crazy thing. I actually think she was the niece who, met with the, who dealt with the bat. Um, okay. I am having then, an awful time keeping all these tra track of all these, but it is delightful <laughs> that there's so much uh, like crossover. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like this town is so weird that it's like he saw a giant spider. And they're like, just in case, we're going to tell the scientists. Yeah. Naturally, it falls to science, which is an all caps and exclamation point, <laughs> to save the day when the might of the American military proves less than effective. Science, a science turbine. <laughs> science. Science is the name of my dog. You <laughs> understand. <laughs> Spilled all cats with an explanation point. Because I'm always yelling at him for chewing up the furniture. Science! Science! Stop humping the man! Thankfully, now science! Intrepid, thankfully, intrepid reporter Howard Johnson is on hand to help the scientists put their plan into action when General Castle proves less than receptive to a solution that doesn't involve dropping a nuke on the giant spider. Well, if he wants to drop a nuke on it, it better be, it better be giant giants. Yeah. It seems like <laughs> it's you the could... the size of a Doberman. <laughs> Nuke it! <laughs> Sir, uh... We think we could just use a bazooka. Nukes! <laughs> this town's already irradiated. I haven't even been to the caves. We've got so many nukes here. Nobody will let me blow anything up. My wife said she saw a big spider. Alright. Up next, we have the late night double feature. From 2014. Alright. This is getting a little meta. This film was made up of two smaller features. 
X, The Fiend from Beyond Space, and The Wall People. So this is the, uh, like, him doing both sides of the grindhouse thing that uh, Robert Rodriguez and uh, Quentin Tarantino did in, what, the mid-2000s, I want to say? Yes. Okay. I gotta say, everybody should go and look at the posters for these, at least, because they're pretty delightful. If nothing else, the posters are good. Alright, so X, the theme from Beyond Space, is set after the events of Attack of the Moon Zombies and features Captain Herman Freshly leading a decades-long mission to Alpha Centauri. Started in the year 1981. You know, the yeah. far future of 1981. But it's still exactly the same set as every other spaceship and uh, whatever. What would you uh, space station switch interior? Panel, blinking panels around, it's fine. Oh, no, this is not... I'm sorry if this sounds like I'm uh, being uh, snarky, but that's <laughs> that's just what I envision. Uh, it's on the UESPA spaceship Endeavor. No idea what that acronym stands for. Well, we got to watch the movie to find out. The crew emerges from cryogenic suspension ten years too early to find themselves in orbit around a dead rogue planet in the year 2014. Finding the corpse of a seemingly dead alien on the planet's surface, the crew brings the body on board, only to discover the creature is not quite dead. And hungry. Okay. I like this. This is a sort of an alien... He's doing alien, really. Basically. Kind of. They go down to the surface, they find something weird, they end up with an alien on their ship, there's an alien hunting them in the ship. Yeah. Probably most of the people die. There's a final girl. He doesn't have much of a budget, but it's only 45 minutes. The Wall People sees Dr. Edwards and Dr. Gabriel from the giant spider summoned to the home of fellow scientist Barney Collins. You know, all scientists, they know each other. Yes. They all get on the a science phone. Yeah. A recluse since the mysterious disappearance of his son eight years earlier, Collins worries his friends with his declaration that he believes an alien force abducted his son and his kidnapping children from all over the world. Their concern becomes fear, however, when they realize that Collins might be right. <laughs> they were all, they were concerned before when they thought he was lying. They just thought he's like, uh, he's hasn't, he's probably snapped. He's not feeling well. We should probably get him some help. And like, Oh wait, no, this actually might be aliens. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's it for the, uh, late night double feature. Next okay. we have it. Danny Johnson saves the world in 2015. Ooh, I love that. Now, if you may not remember, Danny Johnson was the little boy from the one with the bat and the one with the spider. Okay. Okay, yeah. So, does he have more uh, insects to deal with? Bats are not insects, nor are spiders. <laughs> Listen, Mr. Science! get up, Put down the science phone and talk to me! The story is told in flashback by an elderly Danny Johnson to amuse his grandchildren at Christmas. <laughs> okay. He recalls the events of one of the many times he saved the world. In this case, he thwarted the efforts of a diminutive race of aliens armed with an invincible killer robot from brainwashing the children of Earth as a precursor to an invasion. You know, I haven't heard one single one of these ideas that I thought, yeah, that's a terrible movie. And this one is no, is no different. Like, because not only does it give you the, it's a standard type of movie that he's doing already, but it also it gives you the excuse to, have the movie go like super ridiculous places and then you can say well he's just telling the story so he embellished it a little bit yep 
and you could do like the whole Princess Bride where it cuts back to the kids being like, Grandpa, did that really happen? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm digging this. I I love the way this guy is sort of stretching his creative legs as he makes movies about spaceships made out of uh, corkboard. Or what's yep. the... Not corkboard. We're the ones with the holes. Pegboard. Yeah. Uh, next, we have the title that led me down the river trail of wanting to do this episode. Okay. Where's Skeeto, colon, Nazi Hunter. My 2016. Goodness. Okay. No. Wow. <laughs> wow. I, I I predict that this will be the one where his special effects budget is the most inadequate. The film largely stands apart from the rest of the Mimverse, being much darker in tone than Mim's earlier films and mostly taking place in the town of New Berlin, Wisconsin. I was on board until they said New Berlin. I'm like, it can't be that dark if you're going <laughs> to have Nazis in New Berlin, Wisconsin. This is like the first one that's like on Earth that's not in Wisconsin in uh, Phantom Lake, which is interesting. Okay, I guess there is that removal of okay. Well, this is going to take place in a not not this silly world that I have been inhabiting. This is the same universe, same but universe, it's a, right? You know, but, it's on the fun 1950s B movie town. <laughs> although I will point out, I'm looking at the uh, poster and it says it is presented in shocking plasmoscope. <laughs> So, uh, there's still some fun. And it huh. also says, it also claims to be the most controversial film ever made. I mean, these movies had a lot of those things on them. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm on board, I'm just saying. Nevertheless, it is in the same universe through a surprising connection that is only revealed at the end of the picture. <laughs> <laughs> this guy saw Split, and he was like, oh, I could do that. <laughs> But everybody saw it coming because every single one of his movies is in the same universe, so it's not quite the twist. It feels like the twist is going to be like, huh, I guess this one isn't... Oh, wait, no, there's X from the other movie. Or it's like, where are you going to... I'm going to go retire to Phantom Lake. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> the movie centers upon Corporal John Baker, an American soldier and prisoner of war who was held captive and experimented on by the Nazis during World War II. The experiments chain Corporal Barker so that whenever he sees blood, he transforms to a half-man, half-mosquito hybrid and is compelled to feed. So this is like the evil version of Captain America? I guess. I mean, he's experimented on by the good guys to make a super soldier. This guy is captured, experimented on by the Nazis, turns into insect monster that can't stop himself from feeding on blood. Mm-hmm. Now he uses his newfound power to hunt down those responsible for his condition, as well as any other evildoers that get in his way. As the movie opens, Captain Corporal, sorry, Corporal Baker has come to New Berlin, Wisconsin, in search of Dr. Schramm, the mad scientist who made him into a monster. So he's like a werewolf that uses his powers for good. He sort of like aims himself at people he doesn't like and throws blood on him so he hulks out. He's Ghost Rider. Okay. He befriends a woman named... L-E-I-S-E-S-L, Liesel, I don't know, who runs the local diner and steps in when her ex-boyfriend Eric tries to force his way back into her life. The promise of romance fills the air, but can Liesel love the man within the beast? Okay. I'm, uh, I'm digging this one. There's a, there's a lot of, like, because I, I don't know how often, uh, what's his name, the werewolf, Larry Talbot, had any romantic prospects. Like, he usually seemed pretty, uh, there was one in the first one. 
I don't think there was anyone in the second one. There was the one gypsy girl that made Daniel mad. Right. And... But this guy's been a, a mosquito for a while now, or the, whatever the man mosquito thing that he turns into. He, he's, this is not a new deal. He's been dealing with it, and so he comes to town, and he's like, listen, you don't want to deal with me. I've got baggage. <laughs> and she's like, oh, but you're so handsome. Or whatever. No, seriously, you do not want to deal with me. And then he turns into a mosquito, and she's like, well, you're right. You know what? I thought my ex was bad. I called him. They tried to warn me, so I guess. And he's like, no, seriously, stop. Lady. I barely have a face half the time. I can't wait to see the prosthetics for this. I think think I'm going to end up watching these, especially if quarantine goes on much longer. Mm -hmm. Next up, we have Demon with the Atomic Brain from 2017. Another great, great title. An attempt to weaponize a machine capable of opening portals to other worlds fails and instead creates an exponentially expanding bubble of fractured space-time. What the heck? This guy has so much ambition with these story ideas. (laughs) (sighs) But how do you think (laughs) <laughs> I can I have this vision of what this like stuff looks like as this bubble takes over and I there's no way he's executing anything like that whatsoever but dag gum is that a good good premise wow a team of specialists must enter the disturbance and make their way down a rabbit hole of increasingly more dangerous alternate realities in the hopes of finding and shutting down the machine which created it it's <sighs> so cool <laughs> This is the best one! So far, anyway. Just as, like, a story idea of, like, we have all these cascading stories, and he's already doing this, right? He's got this whole sort of interlocking movie universe, and now he's sending these people into this expanding interlocked story universe that's, it's, it's blowing my mind how good of an idea this is. However, someone or something seems determined to stop them before the bubble engulfs the entire universe itself. Well, okay, so they want to stop them before the... I'm confused. They're trying to stop the bubble from engulfing the whole universe, right? Yeah. So this person is trying to stop them before they stop it, before it engulfs the... I'm, I'm going to say this. spreading and is engulfing all things. Right, right, they right. They wanted to, you know not <laughs> and they're presumably wearing something that prevents them from being affected by the alternate realities um whoever or whatever this is doesn't want them to shut off the machine and wants this cascade of realities to happen for a reason i'm trying to remember because i'm trying to figure out sort of what his inspiration is when you said this bubble that changes reality i immediately thought annihilation okay. annihilation didn't come out till 2018 but it came out early 2018, so maybe he saw the trailer and he's like, I'm going to do one of those. And I'll well, get there's it out. that, but also, isn't it based on a book? Well, okay, yes, but the in the book, it's not as clearly a bubble thing. There's okay. just some kind of a boundary that may or may not exist that people pass through to get to the weirdness area. Fair so uh, the idea of it being a, specifically a bubble, like visually... I'm not saying he stole it. I don't want to, because I love it so much. And even if he did <laughs> steal it, he didn't do exactly the same thing as Annihilation did. But, uh, I'm like, that, that's a connection my brain cannot help but make. We're almost to the present day, Brantley. Two more movies to go. What do we got? 
Uh, this is probably one of the weaker titles, in my opinions. We have Guns of the Apocalypse. Okay. Which is fine. Yeah, it's okay. It's a pretty good yeah. uh, poster. I'm looking at the poster. Said sometime after the events of the late night double feature, an unnamed man returns to Earth from the colony on Alpha Centauri to find an Earth devastated by nuclear war. Man, the way he ties all this stuff together is so, so cool. Mm-hmm. Forced into a world of danger and bloodshed after he saves a scientist and a gifted child from a horde of radiation-scarred mutants. Okay. Well, all this is just sort of standard post-apocalypse stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mad Max riff. But probably not with as many car stunts or any car stunts, because let's be real. Though he would prefer to stay hidden until he can escape to a new life, something about the child and the murderous death dealers hunting her makes him realize he has no choice but to protect her or risk being responsible for the potential extinction of the human race. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is what it is. It might be a, a, a fine, or I mean, at the, this guy's been making movies at this point for more than 10 years, one a year. Maybe he's gotten pretty good at it. Uh, <laughs> but like from a description slash concept point of view, this is sort of the more, one of the more straightforward ones. Yeah. It's pretty paint by numbers apocalypse story. The only thing that's really interesting to me is the way that it connects. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's like, he's established, Oh, this person went out to like make this outpost on some place. It's way far away. Now somebody comes back and obviously lots of time has passed possibly because they're traveling close to the speed of light. So you get like a time dilation thing, or maybe it's just been a long time. Uh, that is fun, but, uh, everything else is just okay. All right. Now the final movie so far, he might make another one this year. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Queen of snakes. 2019. So is this a sequel to King of the universe? I don't know. I mean, it wasn't called King of the Universe, but that one alien was called the King of the Universe. Yeah. That was a weird film series. Yes. <laughs> it is the first of Mim's films to be fully rendered in color, in contrast to his earlier films, which were all mon- monochrome. Which is kind of a bummer. Uh, maybe. Maybe he figured out a good way to simulate that sort of hyperchromatic, um, sort of vivid color pop thing that was around when colors were, you know, sort of a new thing. Wizard of Oz and all that. Yeah, maybe not even so much Wizard of Oz, but, like, in the 60s, color was mm-hmm. still being worked on, and so some of the ways that came out was a little bit weird. Set sometime after the events of The Giant Spider, the film focuses on the reclusive Mrs. Crawford. Okay, is she the queen of the snakes? <laughs> Embittered at the world after being paralyzed by her daughter. Mrs. Crawford has little to occupy her time beyond listening to the local gossips and interfering in her daughter's love life, which is limited to increasingly infrequent dates with a man named Henry. Okay. This changes after a package is accidentally delivered to the Crawford residence, containing an amulet that gives Mrs. Crawford a connection to an ancient Norse goddess known as the Queen of Snakes. That was not a twist that I saw coming. (laughs) Like, okay, busybody lady, maybe she gets, like, a snake hobby or something, starts murdering people with snakes. How paralyzed is she? Can she, like, like waist down or neck down? I'm assuming wheelchair. Okay, so she can move her arms around and, like, dial the phone. Yeah. I think. Yeah, okay. 
This leads to various shenanigans as Mrs. Crawford starts to use her control of a monstrous snake woman to spy on her daughter's suitor and his other woman. Okay. I not you know, I gotta say it's it's kind of a petty use of the snake power. Yeah. You know, you're you're in, in, I, I it makes sense. I will say it's like she's kind of a petty person. She gets the and snake it, power. It probably escalates. Yeah, it probably does. You know, she finds out that he's got another woman, probably kills the other woman, and then eventually him, and then just starts murdering people who have wronged her. Yeah, this one, though, it seems like, except for the, uh, um, the Norse connection, which is really cool, <laughs> and I've just found a screenshot where the, like, I can see the prosthetic that they're, they've used on this person, and that looks okay. Mm-hmm. I'm happy enough with that. But, uh... It seems kind of... The collision of the fantastical and the banal could be great, or it could be disappointing. And I, I don't know where... that This is actually one where you have to see the execution mm-hmm. of it. Um, it's, also, it's again interesting because this one and the ghost are really the only ones where fantasy comes into play. Except maybe that uh, prophecy for the cable on Mars. But the thing that's amazing about that is that now you can have, like, a Norse goddess show up on Alpha Centauri in the 2020 film. So that's pretty cool. You know, the fact that... It's interesting to see how this ties into the universe going forward. Exactly. I I hope that Mr. Mim continues making this. I will say we'll probably end up... Uh, splitting this episode into two because it's now gone on for more than a, a whole a solid hour on recording. Yep. <laughs> um, and even with editing, <laughs> I think that this can probably be a couple of episodes. But uh, I've really enjoyed going on this journey with you, Brantley, and hearing about how this guy's ambition to make this universe has evolved and how he stuck with it. I, I've really come around to this idea now i have again haven't watched any of these so maybe i'll change my mind but as it stands right now i am on christopher mim's side i hope i i love this idea of sort of i have this dream i'm gonna work on these films i'm gonna make them i'm gonna keep going people make these kinds of uh like plans for themselves and it's tough to stick to him. And sometimes sticking to them is a bad idea, right? Like, maybe the fact that he's still going says something negative about Christopher Mim. Uh, and I don't know. But I, from where I'm sitting right now, with the knowledge that I have, I dig it a lot. And I really appreciate you bringing it up to us. Thank you now for this finding. sounds like a stupid and pointless question. Which of these is your favorite sounding? Oh, man. I liked the Moon Zombies idea. Mm-hmm. I liked the one about the guy like ending up lost in space for some reason. Right. That one's popping up. Like I'm just trying to think of which ones really sort of stuck out to me. Um, so I like that idea, especially because it's a sequel, right? So we're getting him uh, after something that had already happened to him. We got that like the court martial thing we always dreamed of. <laughs> in a movie <laughs> like the person sees consequences uh th- there's something there in my mind in that character of like how he evolves and how he impacts this world that is really interesting to me but they're all they're all doing something oh and okay 
I, I don't know how I forgot this, but obviously the real answer is the one with the bubble eating the world yeah. and changing the stories and making everything into, like, shattered new realities that they keep going into. Dang, That's my favorite it. story that's idea. That's the one I have the most concern of for being pulled off. Oh, yeah, that's true. But from a, like, you tell me the story of what it is and I react, I think thinking back through them i it's so it's i mean there's so many of them too like i and because i'm so dumb it's actually hard to keep all of them in my head but uh, that's where i think i'm coming down and th- okay. this is where i think we must end the movie or the story the episode brantley no. we've been going recording for an hour and I've, I've stopped being able to think and my wife is ready for me to come inside and eat the dinner she's cooked so okay we will see all of you guys next time. If you enjoyed this, tell a friend about us. Uh, spread the word, or don't. Uh, just keep listening. We hope that you're holding up throughout these very interesting times. I bet if you have... I, in fact, I know for a fact, if you have an Amazon Prime membership, uh, you can go on their video service and check out the films of Christopher Mim. I'm just going to double-check that uh, really quick here. I'm 99% positive. Yes, you can watch... The Monster of Phantom Lake uh, as a Prime video and possibly many, many more of these. And so I recommend that you do that and see if they're as good as they held up to be. As good as the... That, that sentence didn't make any sense. Bye! We're done! Bye, guys.